Fabio Grosso can put this penalty away, then the Azuri will win the World Cup. Italy are champions of the world. To Fabregas, surely now, surely now, Spain have won the World Cup for the first time in history. What's going on? Welcome back to the Footy Fans Podcast. This is our World Cup 2022 Qatar preview episode. We're also going to do our little analysis of the FIFA Uncovered documentary on Netflix, which just came out last week. Perfect timing, if you ask me, just mm-hmm. before the World Cup. Kind of funny how that happens. But um, Andrew Santo and Joe are here, and we are joined again by special guest Phil Bonadonna for his World Cup analysis and World Cup preview knowledge. Um, I think we should just get right into it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think only half of the squad here watched the entire thing mm-hmm. of the documentary. A four-part series on Netflix, put together by Netflix. They do a hell of a job with their whole documentaries and you know conspiracy specials. And, I mean, they barred no expense on this. They literally got everyone involved yeah. in the conspiracy from the last you know 40 years, whatever it is, yeah. to be interviewed, which was kind of yeah. nuts. Like the biggest names that you would think of, they're all behind the scenes guys that not everyone yeah. would like know about. I mean, I learned a lot from the documentary. I'm um, kind of from like how FIFA began and you know how they became established in like the early 20s or whatever it was to what they are now. But yeah, they got everyone involved from you know the 70s, 80s, 90s up until the mid 2000s when it really took off, and the FBI got involved for Pete's sake. So we'll get into our little analysis and reaction from that documentary. Um, I think one of the biggest takeaways was that Seb Blatter is just an absolute psychopath or sociopath. Is that what we said? Well, it was just strange for me how one that he was even in the in Netflix. I was really surprised when you know they would have someone talking that was in the situation, and all of a sudden they start talking in the background, and there they are in front of the camera today, talking about what happened. Uh, but yeah, Sepp Blatter, uh, very interesting character, um, I think. And, you know, granted, he's 86 now. But, um, you know, had a lot of uh, things happen while he was in control of FIFA. Yeah. He, like you said, he's very interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's tough to say, like, what actually happened. Um, but... Yeah, just very, like you said, it's like very interesting how it's like, oh, like, and what I'm confused about, they had so much footage. Like, who's, yeah. who's just, walk, who, to me, it's like, who was walking around FIFA, like, filming just these guys all the time? Mm-hmm. It's like, I guess, I don't know, I guess, I can't camera people at FIFA a lot, but that was also interesting. It's like, oh, they're just filming them when they were on vacation. I've actually always thought that, because <laughs> like, it's, it's gotta be hard to make documentaries. Like, there's so much footage you have to go through, like, yeah. Like it's taking me, it's taking me hours before to edit like an hour long podcast or an hour long like video podcast. It's like you guys are accumulating yeah thousands and thousands of hours of footage. Mm-hmm. That you have to like piece together for eight second clips of a guy walking into a building. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, how, how do they have that? Like, yeah, why? Like, yeah, why do you have so much footage of of everyone that you're talking about just no, it's, walking it's, around? Set bladder in a it's lobby. Like, what? Like, yeah. Cool. Like, how do you like? How do you get that? I was thinking about that because I remember it was one where Seth Bladder was walking around the table, like shaking hands with people, and someone's filming. I'm like, wait, why are they filming this? 
It's like a private boardroom. Yeah, it's like, why are they filming this? It's like 15 years ago. Like, I'm so confused. Yeah, it's obviously way before, like, the, you know, phone cameras and whatever. Someone probably had, like, a fucking camcorder or, like, an over-the-shoulder, like... Yeah, they're just filming everything. Very interesting, I thought. Which, I don't know. I guess, well, they have it, so, yeah. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of characters that get put into the documentary. A lot of guys that have a lot of airtime. One of them being Jack Warner, the former CONCACAF uh, president. That kind of hits home to us here in Canada. Like, obviously, he was running the show when we were younger, I guess. Like, we were, like, really involved in soccer. I don't don't know anything about the guy, obviously. He's really behind the scenes, and we were, like, 10 when this was all happening, or 15 years old. But to see that CONCACAF played such a large role in FIFA, like, not knowing, really, up until, like, this documentary, it's kind of interesting. Um, it's because similar to, I don't want to get like, too political, but similar to like the electoral college with the American voting, like each state in the U S has X amount of votes that go towards presidential election. So like states like California, Texas, New York, the big ones, big populations, they get more votes towards, um, you know, the presidency. So if you win California, you get you know, 28 votes or whatever it is, as opposed to just like one or two. Same kind of thing when it comes to FIFA for the presidency. CONCACAF has all the islands mm-hmm. as their own individual like states that get votes. So if you're a CONCACAF president like Jack Warner, you're basically overseeing, you know, 20 whatever votes that would go towards the FIFA president. Yeah. So if you're running for FIFA presidency, you have to be in good ties with CONCACAF because you're going to get all those votes going towards you. Yeah. Obviously, Sepp Blatter being from Switzerland, he had a lot of the European votes already in his back pocket. Um, he had to really try to get the Africa votes, which we see later on in the, in the series, like how he really gets those votes. But similar to, to getting the Jack Warner votes, he, you know, slips a little bit of money here and there. Jack Warner wants to have the World Cup take place in Africa in 2010. This is back in 1998 when Sepp, when Sepp Blatter was first running for presidency. Jack Warner gets some money from the Africans to get the votes from them. Mm-hmm. To go Blatter's way, uh, same thing for Russia in 2018. Same thing for Qatar in 2022. A lot of money being tossed around. It's very much a House of Cards esque documentary. It gets put together. It's very much behind the scenes, yeah. seeing how bribes work, seeing how you know backdoor handshakes work, and all this kind of stuff. How people try and whip the votes together for X country, for X president, for X candidate, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and the in-depthness if that's a word that this documentary went into was just really cool because i just there was just so much yeah that i didn't know about yeah everyone kind of knew that fifa was corrupt you just hear oh fifa's got money coming out their ass oh fifa's buying this world cup whatever but to actually see it played out the way it was in this four-part documentary series was really cool yeah very interesting again like i said they got everyone involved to get in front of a camera and in front of a microphone. And I feel like a lot of these people were really willing to be like, like they're really willing to come forward and actually talk to because of how much crap FIFA has in the, like how much has been going on. They want to get their story out of like what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Kind of similar to like what Ronaldo was doing with like Man U. A lot of stuff's being said, but nothing like actually clear cut and specific. So these guys get their moment to shine in front of the camera. They come out and say what actually was happening to set the story straight maybe try and clear their name on the side as well and try and maybe avoid some jail time or whatever it is. I don't know. But it was just really cool to see. And yeah, I think one of the yeah. biggest takeaways, like I said, was like how involved yeah. a lot of these really high executives were in 
decision making, World Cups being chosen, like everything. Yeah, for me, I guess I wasn't, I wasn't surprised, but it was more eye opening to realize how it's almost the same as like, well, it's basically is the same as like, you know, politics when you're going for votes for the presidency, where you have all these different uh, soccer uh, confederations voting for the FIFA presidency. So it's just being in good ties with them, uh, like you said. So that was that was really interesting to kind of uh, get full information on. Um, but yeah, it was just crazy to see how much influence and power they actually have over what what happens and who gets the world cups and how they do that so that was that was really interesting but also Seb Blatter coming out last week saying it was a mistake yeah <laughs> that the world cup was going to Qatar it's just like yeah. come on well the weird thing that they did was i think it was the first time in world cup's history that when the world cup committee got together in 2010 to decide who was going to host the next world cup in 2018 that's the one that was up next at it was actually chosen to be Russia. They decided to also do the 2022 World Cup in the same year, which never been, yeah. never been done, done before. That was strange. Yeah. So you had, again, like, to go back to back of like Russia to Qatar is just like, like yeah. what are you like what are you doing? Like, yeah. Like obviously in 2010, Russia was in a different state politically. Or maybe not, maybe not politically, but in the in the viewpoint of the media, they're in a very different state from 2010 to what they are in 2020, 2022. Yeah. Obviously, with everything going on right now in Ukraine, if this was the same time frame, this would not be happening. Yeah. Like, there's a reason why Russia isn't involved in the World Cup currently. Even if they would have qualified, they weren't being allowed to participate um, in 2022 Qatar. So, the fact that it was put forth that they would be the winners from in for 2018 and then Qatar in 2022. Obviously, money was being involved in those decisions. Obviously, a lot of, you know, like I said, like backdoor handshakes were being done. Bribes were being done. People wanted to, you know, it's all it's all money. Like It's just these guys are so mm-hmm. money hungry and power hungry. And you look at it from the outset, like these guys are just like middle aged to like later middle aged men who have like rose the ranks of, you know, high class in the FIFA world. And they're just so money and power hungry. And it's crazy to see. Because like we've seen it in the corporate world before, like Donald Trump's an obviously like huge example of like what we see on a day to day basis. These guys are basically doing the same thing, but behind the scenes, controlling a multi billion dollar corporation as well. Mm-hmm. And it was just all about money transfers, and like they got it all on file. They got wire transfers. They got paper transactions. I said the FBI got involved to like yeah, you know, put them to. To, well, to bed basically because i know the one guy was saying he's like yeah what like you have here wire fraud racketeering money laundering and the one guy's like this is stuff you associate with like the mexican cartel or the mob yeah so it's just i don't know it's one of those things i think i don't know if they said in the documentary but like there's because they're it's fifa they're not like govern. i don't think they're governed um so the they're wild, not it's the wild wild west they're not account they they're not accountable really to anyone um this is because Back in the day, I think it was saying in the documentary how it was like a nonprofit organization way back when. I was just like those guys that got together and they held um, the tournament every so often, and that was really it. Um, but then it just kind of turned into the, this whole thing, which, like you said, it got like very political. And obviously, um, they found people who were doing these things, um, which I think it's interesting that. Because I honestly don't even remember in 2015 like this coming out, like uh, like all these arrests happening. Um, but like you said, 
Netflix is great with timing. Um, I'm not sure how long they spent on this documentary, but the fact that it's coming out like probably a really long time. Um, the fact that it's coming out now is just like impeccable timing, <laughs> like right before the Qatar World Cup. Um, so yeah, it's very very interesting. Mm. And I think from the documentary, we kind of see Bladder was hesitant to have Qatar be the winners for 2022. I'm not sure if that's what he, that's the one he actually wanted, but I think so, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that part yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Phil's giving me like a head shake or something, but like I, he only saw half the. Well, because I know there was, the, I think it was the one scene where some where where Seth Bladder pulled out Qatar's hosting, and one of the guys said he went to Bladder. He's like, um, "Oh, we're like." we're in trouble and then he's like oh, yeah, we're in trouble Seth and he's like boom or something like that oh yeah forget. they did like fake smiles and all that kind of thing like oh yeah. like, let's just pretend to be happy yeah so I don't like and that's yeah. why because like I know you like it says in the documentary you have here like Seth wasn't charged with anything so I'm just it's who knows how much he was actually involved but um, yeah it's just very very strange um, all that <laughs> All those because obviously there was like people there, and I know Phil alluded to it that like had no idea this was going on. Probably, um, it was obviously just a handful of people that got arrested with all this stuff. Yeah, it was like the top of the top brass. Like I think they were. Yeah. Obviously, something like this you want to keep close to heart. Like you want to be like, you don't want to be like uh, exploiting or anything, or you want to be like flashing all your cash and saying, "Oh yeah, I got this money from Sep. Like he gave me all this, you know, money to host the World Cup." Like that's obviously doesn't happen, but. Um, the fact that I think the U.S. wanted the twenty was it the twenty eighteen bid or twenty twenty two bid. Twenty two. So yeah, U.S. wanted twenty twenty two. England wanted twenty eighteen. And the fact that they both went to Russia and Qatar, right, that just kind of again like shows you exactly what it is. Like, what better what better nations to host a World Cup than England, like the birthplace basically of football, or like the modern football, and then uh, America was like the fastest growing probably. Maybe not sport in America, but like the huge sport right now. Like mm-hmm. It's massive. And they have the infrastructure already there. England obviously has all the stadiums already there. Russia had to do a lot of maintenance. Qatar had to basically build an entire Country. fleet yeah. of <laughs> stadiums and infrastructure and everything behind it. What was the total money you said that was costing them? Was it 200 something? Yeah, that's. Uh, I watched TIFO today. My boss sent to me, I think it's going to cost them $220 billion. Or something, something like that. Uh, don't call me on that. I'm not totally like who knows how much it's actually going to cost. So, and yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's not like it's not like oh, Russia and Qatar um, versus England, USA. It's just more like a logistical thing. I feel like, yeah. like it's so much work to like build all these FIFA regulated stadiums. Whereas you have a country all they have all the roads, they have the accommodations, like all this stuff Qatar to build and um. Because when when did they win it? I think it was like two, 2010. 2010. So they had, yeah, they had 12 years to build all of it, but it's just like so much stuff. And it's like so much, like it's a lot of money that you have to use to build mm-hmm. all these stadiums. And it, it's similar to what we saw with South Africa, with South Africa too. Like they built all these stadiums and they renovated all these stadiums, make them so big and so, you know, FIFA regulated and FIFA official. And now they're like ghost towns. Yeah. No, they're just same, like with same, with, yeah, same with Brazil. Same with Brazil. Like what's going to uh, happen? The Amazon. In, yeah, exactly. Uh, who's no, that's not a host who's, stadium. Who's going there? They needed to get. It was hard enough to get there. And the guy during that, a World Cup year. And like, I don't think a Brazilian team like has it as like, yeah, their home think, field. It could just be like a yeah, Wembley, which is like a generic. But that's stadium. just going to waste. A state of the art stadium. Played what four games, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of goes away. And the same with the Olympic 
Sochi. stadiums in Sochi, Sochi and in yeah. Brazil as well, a lot of that infrastructure is just kind of rotting because but then it's like in Qatar what's going to happen with these stadiums I know one stadium they built with um like the oh the transport yeah so like they can basically like take it all down the shipping containers the shipping containers they can all be moved to another (laughs) location which I guess is kind of cool but it'll be interesting to see what happens because you can't play there in summer months yeah so when are events going to take place? I don't, I don't know if you're going to do another World Cup there in the next, most likely not twenty thirty years. So just what's going to happen to those stadiums? Because imagine playing outside in hundred and twenty degrees. Well, they're probably used to it over there, though. Like I guess, to, but if, but even if they now, want to even now it's warm. It's like forty degrees there. So I don't know. I actually one cool thing about the documentary was the like revamped footage and high def footage of the old world cups. That was pretty like, cool. this looks new, mm-hmm. but that was from 82. When Italy so won like, Spain the restored yeah. videos. That was pretty cool. Cause at the start I'm like, wait, is this like a fake new video? It's like, Oh my God, no, that's actually real footage of that's the Mar- game. That's Mar- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, that was, that was the hand of God. <laughs> and that, that was, was uh, right Baggio launching yeah. it over oh, the net. Of course <laughs> did. And they like, and of no. course yeah. they just, yeah. Oh, there, uh, Baggio standing. He hasn't moved from the penalty spot. And like, you we had watched, to, we watched of it all together. the games. That's yeah. the one that you had to pick. Yeah. <laughs> the three of us watched and it together. Like, they of don't show the 2006. They, sh- they showed kind of our raising the oh the did title. they okay I missed yeah, that okay I saw in the that first episode though they skip they yeah. did like 94 98 2010 <laughs> I'm like we're <laughs> also they skipped 2002 arguably the greatest World Cup not just because Italy won but like I think the whole Germany thing, like Germany just the show. scenes and the yeah. fan yeah. zones and because it was a European World Cup like yeah everything was just what like I guess Brazil would have been pretty cool too like the fan zones and things like that yeah but, but i mean like i think everything Europe, yeah everything was there in germany and like yeah. beautiful stadiums and like yeah. attendance was up mm-hmm. and great product on the field like there were so many stars in that tournament it's actually yeah impressive i know most world cups have the star yeah but it was stars, like it was like the stars like at the end like the legendary yeah. stars at and the then end ronaldo of their and time. messi mm-hmm. coming up yeah it was like a passing of the guard kind of yeah. thing like that world cup it was nuts man we should do a review on that. Yeah. You, got a weekend? you know how you many times? Yeah, I, would, I would review that tournament in a just second. On cable TV, I don't know how many times I see just a replay TLN. of France oh, and, which one? Uh, and Italy. Yeah. Just that game. But it's yeah. like the cameras just like in the game, just showing it. And they're talking yeah, awesome. through comments too. I see it all yeah, the time. Yeah, the TLN, they like to play the one that Pierce Brosnan um, narrated, the DVD that oh, came out. Oh, yeah. The yeah. official video. TLN plays that. Whole, like, <laughs> every three months. Remember yeah. the Nedved one? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah so that's uh, a soldier just, for us. It's things that I guess not a majority of the people knew, but if you were following the sport, you kind of had an idea that this was happening, and then it just goes more in depth than I even thought it would. Like the '98 election, and I think it was the Italian member when they were like the night before at the hotel and the interviewer goes, was there money being exchanged at this hotel? Oh, yeah. And he's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Lots sure. of it. Yeah. yeah but we course. couldn't, but we couldn't say that. <laughs> couldn't say that back then. And that basically swung. That was, that was what swung the, the vote. So it's yeah. kind of cool to see like just 
the details and who was involved. Like we saw Jack Warner all the time on like when ESPN would do their E60s. I don't know if they were called that back then, but when they would do their investigative journalism, you'd see him and and uh, Chuck Blazer and all them involved because it was CONCACAF. But mm-hmm. just pretty cool to get this much detail mm-hmm. and the actual history of it all. Yeah, that's a good way to kind of wrap it up because like, again, like we we knew this was happening. And again, it was kind of just more of in passing, you would hear, oh, yeah, FIFA's corrupt. Like, you just, you just there's just a common knowledge. Like, you won't even know anything about FIFA specifically or anything that happened specifically. You just know, yeah, FIFA's corrupt. And we were 18 at the time. Yeah, we were, we were young. Like, we were, like, in high school, and we're like, I think, like, how? Like, is there a corruption going on? I'm like, I wasn't the smartest, but it was just like, there's mm-hmm. got to be something because we were so, more to we it. We were so pure. locked in on it. Because and we were yeah, 18, we just we had were no pure. idea. Like, that can't happen. No, this yeah. is, they can't do that. FIFA's too legit. Yeah, like, how did it get to Qatar? Oh, yeah. okay, but <laughs> now, like, then you just get older and you start seeing everything. It's like, okay, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Well, and well, technically, because yeah, people say FIFA was correct, but uh, I guess in their investigation, um, well, it's not really going to spoil it for you, but I guess they concluded at the uh, in the investigation that FIFA was like a victim of the members that were corrupt in FIFA that were doing all these things that were charged with this. Um, which I thought was interesting, which I'm not sure exactly how it works, but you know, maybe it makes sense that you can't like say all of FIFA's corrupt. I'm sure there's people who work at FIFA that, like no idea this was going on. There's like, a couple of bad eggs they were saying that yeah, were, like that made, like made the yeah, yeah FIFA brand seem corrupt, but that was it was just them doing it. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like yeah. you're responsible for them though. Well, like, well they asked Sepp Blatter at the end, it's like, are you response like as the head of the organization with these members, like do you feel responsible? And then he goes on the goes on his feel. Oh, yeah, guy's a goof, man. Not a goof. He's just he's aloof. I don't know. He's he's wild. Because mm-hmm. again, like this, the the cockiness and confidence that he has in his sit down interviews, where like he just plays like dumb, like nothing happened. He did nothing mm-hmm. wrong. Like he's totally innocent. And it's like, bro, like you were you've been there since the seventies, man. Like you were like second in command since like seventy seven or something. You know what's up, like and like. There's no way you don't know what's happening. If you watch Bad Sport on Netflix, the one where they go over Juve's cultural play, yeah. and then Luciano Moji, who was like the head of Juve at the time, and then he comes on at the end. It's like kind of the same vibes. Like it's like, no, nah, we're innocent. We did nothing wrong. But they're like convicted. <laughs> but it, yeah, like so, it's just kind of funny to like see the similarities. But I guess you kind of have to have those personality traits to be in that position like yeah. myself i'd crumble oh, in yeah. two seconds being <laughs> like you see the we're, interviews we're and he's like he just denies everything yeah and like straight face and those are the personality traits that you have to have to lead a corporation like that mm-hmm. and like corruption aside like just in general like to have the stones and like that confidence to just be like yeah, everything's good it's all good nothing's yeah. going on and, <laughs> and if, if there ever was a time that he would do like a tell-all he's 86 years old like how much honestly, like how much more time does like Stepladder have on this earth? Like if he was to ever come out and say something to clear his conscience, it'd be now. Like, what he did last week. And then yes, and then last week he comes out and does say that Qatar was a mistake, it's too small of a country to host too big of an event. Uh, which I think we all thought that, like <laughs> going in on it like ten years ago. Yeah. Like why is this small country having the biggest spectacle in the world going there? The state of Florida could host a World Cup. 
Yeah, they could. And all the... California could too, like the college yeah. football stadiums, yeah. the NFL stadiums, and the soccer stadiums alone. Easily. Yeah. But Again, that's all, the they, have, they have all the highways. Like... What do they do well? Sports and entertainment. Yeah. It's two things that they excel in. I think guitar second. So they're going to the next. Be. They're going we'll to the next best stadiums, place. Though. You never know. That's what I said. I'm excited to see like how the stadiums actually pan out and how they look and yeah. how like we've already seen a couple instances where like, media has had a tough time in Qatar. Um, we have a friend of ours actually going to Qatar too, so maybe we'll try and yeah. get him on the podcast. Yeah, um, get the experience. And I think like, the players yeah. are in like a tough spot too, like with all the human rights things and like. Not play, it's not very like, good. Like, it's just like and. They like should they be the ones to be the advocates and things like that. So it's it's like an interesting like societal issue and I don't know. I think it's like over our pay grade to talk about. But yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see how everything plays out. I hope like the product's good, but we'll see. It's just I feel like there's just too much on the outside that is. There's not enough focus on the game itself, where that's all we really want. Understandable though, yeah. Like it's understandable. It that is these things. It is, and it's it's unfortunate that's happening because it is taking away mm-hmm. from the game. And I think it was one of the guys from the Men and Blazers podcast came on and said, like, we should be gearing up for the World Cup right now. We should be excited. Yeah. We should be energized for our, to watch our teams, watch our players play, to watch whatever it is. And it's just, it feels like heartless right now because of all the other stuff that is going on behind the scenes, all the other stuff that is being amplified other than just the game. The fact that it's being taken place mid-season, the fact that it's like not Mm -hmm. at the end of a year where we've already seen our teams do well or, you know, do poorly, but we're looking forward to the World Cup anyway. The training camps, like who made the training camps, okay, they're at their camps. It's all been like swept under the rug. Who's going to make the final roster? Like this was all done in like a time where they were just at their clubs. They weren't even yeah, at exactly. the camp. And yeah. The, yeah. Uh, although they made their provisional teams, it wasn't like, okay, the 29 roster, 32 man rosters at uh, the camp, that's where they are. And then like you get deadline day mm-hmm. and like who makes the rosters. I know we kind of had something like that. And I guess it's just, I don't know. It's it just, just feels different. Hard. It's just different. Yeah. I guess. It's different. It just kind of feels heartless and then not and in the as. Winter. It's in the winter. Us. Yeah. We're cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's cold here. But. Uh, be jealous of all the fans there in the nice weather. Also, though, being at work and Italy not being in it, not as bad. It's not as bad because it's <laughs> like, how am I going to watch this game? Now I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> now I don't have to worry <laughs> about it. Fun. So it actually that's works fun. out. And in 2018, it was the same thing. It's like, well, I'm working, but yep. I don't have to worry about Italy playing. <laughs> not missing anything. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's good. Two, two World Cups in a row. It's becoming... You can't even say like it's a shock anymore. <sighs> yeah. You already went through it. It's like, what do we do? Well, it's the just norm watch now. The games, just rem- like, it's sad, but like how... <laughs> how relieving is it going to be when Italy finally makes the World Cup again? Be like... What know, if we haven't, they don't? Stop and it. It's, Stop it. It's going to be in our country. In Canada? And if they don't qualify for a World Cup that's in North America, crushing. Mm-hmm. Crushing of all, like, because, like, the boss, I'm sure crowd, we would go wherever they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd probably put them in the East Coast, New York, Boston, maybe, or even Toronto, which would be great. Mm-hmm. And even if they were in Mexico, too. Okay, four hour flight, we're going to Mexico. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, for North American fans, that would be pretty cool. I know we kind of deviated from the scandal part of it, but yeah, that's okay. Just... We'll, we'll wrap up the scandal right now, yeah. we'll get into our, our little preview, but. 
Uh, last thing I'll say, just everyone who hasn't seen it yet, I'd recommend it. I think we all recommend mm-hmm. it highly. If you want to learn more, if you want to learn just, you know, a little bit, just just watch it. Like I said, it's four-part series, uh, one hour long each about. Um, and it keeps it, it – like an hour-long documentary like kind of seems like a bit of a long drag, but like it keeps you The first energized. episode that like, I watched flew by. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of information. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of – I mean I, they interviewed – I don't even know how many people for like literally four seconds. They come on for a clip, which is kind of funny. Like what else – I've always thought that. Like what else do you contribute to the pod – to the uh, interview? Like, if you bring someone in, they talk for, like, I don't know, 20 seconds on camera. It's like, how long were they how there footage? for? Yeah. Like, how many questions did you ask them? How long were they there in the chair for? Like, how many, you know, hours of footage do you have of this person giving you a 20-second answer for, like, the the actual documentary? It's kind of funny. But they got tons of people, and like I said, it was very well done, very in-depth. Um, and we'll let you have your own conclusions at the end of it once you have watched it. But to the actual games of the world cup starting this sunday uh the 20th i believe november 20th is the kickoff game qatar the host country obviously going against ecuador we're going to come at it from maybe more of a england or or england and canadian point of view um england just because we know a lot about it because we watch the epl every single week and canada being that we are a canadian and this is the first time that we've had a world cup (laughs) that we actually get to witness Mm -hmm. um and actually, can contend and actually have maybe more chance in scoring a goal this yeah. uh, this World Cup. But um, we hope we hope. Uh, so yeah, so we get blessed with um, England actually coming in the very next day um, of the World Cup on the Monday, the twenty first. I don't know actually what the, the start time of that game is, but I'm kind of surprised that they're actually like playing other than like the five a.m. game, which is like really early. That starts on Tuesday. That's the Tuesday uh, games, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll be up for that. Got the kids. Yeah, I was just gonna say, anyone with young kids, I, bro, has something to watch I'm, now <laughs> when they wake up at five a.m. I've been getting up at five thirty last two weeks, so I'll I'll get right in for the second half. Eight a.m. Um, of all those games, mm-hmm. eight a.m. So yeah, it's kind of cool that they are playing a lot of the games really, really late in Qatar, so that the North American and European. Well, it's only an eight-hour difference. Can watch it. I thought it was a little bit more, but it's only an eight-hour difference. Yeah, but I mean, they're starting games at like two o'clock in the afternoon. They're starting games at ten over there. That's mm-hmm. pretty late. Or I think three o'clock, maybe some of them. Is uh, it two or three? Two o'clock. Two. Is. But in Europe, though, those are like the prime, prime time, time times, yeah. like the Champions League, the three o'clock. That's no, nine yeah, that's, o'clock there. that's so fine. it's about an hour yeah. difference from what I guess some of them are used to. The five a.m. for us is a little bit tough. <laughs> it's tough, but <laughs> for them, I, I think it just, it lines up. I think with their regular mm-hmm. scheduling for most most of the players. Does Canada have a fiver? European players, that is. Does Canada have a fiver at all? I don't think so. But I could be wrong. Oh yeah. Right. Now we got a nice. We got a two, an eleven, and a ten. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that Belgium so... game is <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll go there. Clear, we're gonna come clear your that, calendars but, oh, for that, that one. Is, yeah. So <laughs> that is tasty. So we'll just go. Um, we'll go country first. So we'll do it. We'll just do England's little schedule first. Um, they have their first game against Iran on the twenty first. The game on the twenty fifth against USA. Phil has been saying it's gonna be a big one. Obviously, after American Thanksgiving, everyone's gonna be hungover. As everyone's shit. home. Everyone's in the home. States. Everyone's home. Yeah, it's gonna be a really big one. And then the 29th wrapping up against uh, neighboring country Wales. Um, I'm sure they've played before many times. Um, I think we can all comfortably say England will probably get out of this group 
for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, top of the table, most likely. They got they got drawn a pretty good group, I believe. Uh, Wales could surprise them a little bit, maybe, or like Wales could surprise the USA. Possibly, USA has had like a very publicly resurgence kind of breakdown in the last couple of years under them. Um, what's the word? Summit. I'm looking for uh, the word summit. Mm-hmm. They've had like a, they've had a soccer summit um, in the last couple of years. After, they also missed 2018. Yes, um, after like the Klingsman era kind of died off, they've had to rebrand themselves. Um, they got rid of a lot of the old guard at USA Soccer, and now they have, like, the young guns, you know, the Polistics, the Deaths, the McKinneys kind of leading the force Reina. for the USA. Reina uh, from Dortmund, yeah. Um, good, good, A good squad. I don't think they're going to really compete maybe past the knockout stage, depending on, like, if they do get out of the group here with England, Iran, and Wales, who they get paired up against in the next round. We don't know, obviously, but I don't think they're going to be like a Cinderella story side like we saw in 2010. Mm-hmm. Even 2002. 2002, too. Yeah. like Donovan. Yeah. And they shocked Portugal. Yeah. Yeah. Poland and then South Korea, if I remember correctly. That was, was a long time ago. But they, <laughs> that was like Donovan's like coming out party. And yeah. That's like Ryan the intro. Like, yeah. And, uh, I, don't, I don't know if Dempsey's, dad, I don't know if Dempsey's there yet. Name? Claudio? Claudio Reyna was there. Um, I don't think Dempsey was there yet. I don't think so. No, that was he would have been there in 06, 06 though, in like twenty ten. But that was they faced Mexico in the quarters, I believe, or the last sixteen. Um, but I guess you never know with the Americans. Um, I could see them getting out of the group, but also Wales is Wales are I don't know, I, not stubborn, but I feel like they play like a stubborn game and like they get results, and mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like. Just the motivation against England. Last like, match, too. That could be yeah. a group decider. And, like, who's first and second or, like, who's second and third. So, it's on paper. I guess it doesn't look like it's the group of death. But I feel like there's a lot of possibilities in this group. It's the yeah. group, group of question, maybe. It's a questioning group. <laughs> We've got a group of question. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, Wales do I think have have the capability to really surprise USA. Like they said, I th- I still think I see England finishing top, but I think with Wales and USA, that's kind of going to be a toss-up. Like who's for me. battling for second and third? Yeah, who's gonna like want it more between them? Who's gonna show up uh, on that day? I mean, you you always have to show up. Uh, I just think England have the the squad depth, and the right? Like to take it. We're not gonna say that England's gonna get knocked out, but right, mm-hmm. strange things have happened where yeah. Big countries do not get out of the group stage. <laughs> and what's and, uh, the one we're all thinking um, of right now? <laughs> France 2002. New Zealand. Yeah. France New 2002 Zealand. was the one. And, and New Germany 2018. Oh, yeah. Defending yeah. champs usually yeah. have a hard time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, France 2010 as well. I know they weren't defending champs, but they had a hard time defending in finals. South Africa. Italy, Italy in, uh, 2010. Italy 2014. Anyways, um, I'm you st- never okay, know. I'm stopping England- the Italy talk right now. Okay, if it's if uh, the Italy England game, squad, though, I'm cutting off. I kind of want to get to. Like, is there anything that jumps out to you? Not a weakness with the squad, but somewhere where they might struggle with. Or for me, uh, it's always been the case with England. I think their mid has a lot of gaps in it. They don't, you know, they're. 
they don't have that person in midfield that can really like control a game. Um, like no disrespect to like Henderson or or Mount or Rice, but they they're not the players where they go into a massive game and they're totally in control of what's happening. Like you see, like Luka Modric, Pirlo, at the time, they would go and like they they are dictating everything that's happening, right? Um, with them, I still think they need you know the experience um, to be able to do that, uh, and I just don't see it happening yet uh, in their careers. Um, and with their defenders, I think they're strong in the back. I just don't agree with what Southgate does when he plays in the back. You know, they play they play three three center backs, and they always put Kyle Walker as one of them. Uh, not sure why. And they play with wing back, so a three five two makeshift three five two. I think they just said Walker's out for the first game. Yeah. Um so I I don't understand why that's the style they play. I think they can just play like a, a four three three and they can just have someone like, you know, Kyle Walker when he's fit, um, and Alexander Arnold just you know, playing on the wings like they usually do for their club teams and just be perfectly fine. I don't see why you're playing a three five two. I think so. it works with Trent there and him not having the responsibility of being in a four man defense. Mm-hmm. Like he can just kind of roam and like we've seen the clips this year of him just not doing anything defensively. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that goes into it and like he maybe. realizes how good of a threat he is when he doesn't have the defensive responsibilities. But I don't know. I guess like Stones is good. Maguire, I don't really know what we're going to get. But also, <laughs> I know we shouldn't bring it back to Italy again. But Phil. I'm sorry, but this is actually like I'm relevant. Cut your, I'm cutting my Before the Euros. <laughs> Everyone thought Bonucci and Chiellini were way over the edge. Like, Juve had a horrible season. Chiellini was coming off an injury. And then they – I mean, Chiellini got hurt in the tournament. But the games that they played, they turned it back yeah. 10 years. Yep. And okay. they were the best defenders in the tournament. I'm going to stop you. So, I'm gonna stop you I know there. that might not happen with Harry Maguire. Maguire is not Chiellini. <laughs> I understand that. But it's it's tournament football, right? Where, like, you can just yeah. catch form. Yeah. And I, you just I show don't up. see it happening. Had they brought – Fakayo Tamori, I, I would have thought that they could use a fast, instinctive center back like that, but I guess not. I thought I think Everton's Connor Cody, who Everton I think is in seventeenth place, deserved the call up. Not sure how. But then Southgate said that the young players didn't do enough to, you know, move out to show themselves. To uh I don't know, winning a Serie A title. So if, if they <laughs> best defense, tied best defense in the league, honestly, though, it's great that he's not going and has a chance to get hurt at the World Cup. Mm. I just feel bad that he didn't make this squad when I feel like he should have. And he might not have played had he made the team. That's another thing. But too. I yeah. feel like he did enough to earn a call to Qatar. But a lot of the the media were saying he had two bad games against Chelsea, which fair enough they did. But half their team was hurt those two games this year against Chelsea. And if Southgate really made a decision off two Champions League games instead of a whole body of work, I would hope that he didn't make the decision off that. Mm-hmm. But well, you never know. Well, even when he was healthy, Tenet wasn't taking him for the side. Like Maguire? The, yeah, the first couple of games he didn't play. Were you really going to leave him out? Though, like play. I had a hard time I thinking thought, that he, he was going to leave him out completely. 
I thought he would because, like, again, like you want to take people that are in form. Like, why would you mm-hmm. want to take someone cold who hasn't played in X amount of games or weeks and then put them in well, the Well, that's the thing. Like, World he was Cup, talking right? about Tammy, and he's like, yeah, he just lost form at the wrong time. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know. And he's right. Tammy was not good. Mm-hmm. But in comparison. Also, Maguire hasn't played. So, I don't know. It's just, yeah. I guess, with your favorites, you kind of, you know, you put the people you trust and mm-hmm. we obviously don't know the relationship there, but you're going to assume that it's pretty good between yeah. McGuire and Southgate and you took him to a finals and a semi semifinals. So there is something to bringing players that brought you there. They've been there before. But also that can work the other way, but mm-hmm. and like, this is a relatively young England side. Like look at that midfield yeah. core, like Henderson's 30 plus, but everyone else is sub 25. Yeah. I believe, and the midfield uh, grouping. Um, you guys touched on a three-five-two formation. So would that be of the three-five-two? Would the two wingers be defenders? Yeah. So I've seen uh, Trent and um, uh, Chilwell uh, there. I've seen. Um, well, Chilwell didn't get picked though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, yeah, usually it's you know Trent or um, Trippier. Um, I or Trent and Luke Shaw. Who started the Euro final? Luke Shaw. Luke right Shaw. Back. No, Shaw was oh, on. He was on the left. The and left. Then I think it was Walker. Trent. Was it Walker? Maybe. Was it? Obviously, had Reese James been there, he I would yeah. feel like he'd be the starter. But that um, left side is kind of questionable because like Walker's a right back and Arnold is a right back. So ben it, White's a right back as yeah. well. I think I do Trent, like I his versatility right, though. Ben right White, back where too. you can go center back mm-hmm. and right back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess it's I guess it's Luke Shaw that starts unless you put a midfielder there and he kind of mm-hmm. i don't know the way you shape it you can kind of cover that side but yeah i think it's gonna be luke sean trent starting um yeah who we're just checking out the italy trip yeah italy lineup, yeah also yeah. oh, totally trent forgot that start, yeah totally forgot me too a lot of Luke Shaw. A lot of things happened that day where <laughs> I don't think we would remember. <laughs> the exact lineup. Who cares who started yeah, for England? Who, uh, who started? Um, yeah. yeah, Luke Shaw's on the left side there, so I think he might be the first guy up for the left side because yeah. like, Trippy is a right is a right wing back. Same with Arnold, same with Walker, same with White. So I don't know what's going to happen there. But then for your attackers, what do you do? Like you look at how many attackers that they have. Do you put Saka there if you... I don't know. It's, it's gonna. Be I know weird... it's. He doesn't. Yeah. Play that way. With Arsenal, but like you look at those forward, they... that forward core, like none of those guys come back. Like none of those guys have defensive responsibility on their club teams. Same in the midfielders, you have a very clear cut separation as well. Like Declan Rice, um, Calvin Phillips, maybe more Jordan Henderson as well. I feel like very defensive start minded. Declan like, and Calvin Phillips. Kind of what they did in the Euros. Yeah, kind of what they Very did. And they, they controlled quite a few games. Mm-hmm. The final, not so much, but that I think that was their decision to just kind of, we scored and we're going to sit back. Yeah. But yeah. if they attack, they have the ability to control. Will they just kind of sit back like they did and counter with what they have up front? Yeah. Could happen, but I don't know. Rice is pretty good. Yeah, he can hold the four. Phillips hasn't yeah. done a lot this year. Yeah, he hasn't played many games. He's been hurt. He's played a few of the Champions League games and the Carabao Cup games, I believe. Maybe FA Cup too. But Didn't I think he have him playing center back at the start of the year or something. I remember seeing like Pep would something. like bring him back. I think yeah, I think he might have yeah. played there a couple of times just to like yeah, because they were short was, guys yeah. and like, I think Laporte was out or injured, whatever it was. 
but I think this team is going to be really heavily relying on their forwards to get mm-hmm. their goals. Like, I don't think, like, I mean, we've seen Mount before with Chelsea, like, be their spark plug kind of guy. Like I said before in the previous podcast episode, if Reese James isn't clicking for Chelsea, like, Mason Mount's the next man up. And if mm-hmm. he's not going, then their team's doing nothing. So I think from a Chelsea standpoint, he's already had that pressure like to carry a team um, from the midfield. So I think if he does get the playing time, again, I don't know how Southie is going to manage the guys. Like Gallagher can kind of play that role too. Uh, Jude Bellingham, very young player, but very energetic. Um, he can kind of like roam throughout the whole mm-hmm. the whole pitch as well. So we'll see like how he does line up in that midfield. If they do play a three-five-two, obviously they're going to have more defensive players, I think, than attackers from the midfield. So I think they would have like a flick fill, so like a Rice or a Phillips or a Rice or a Henderson, and then the the odd man out would be like able to roam as like a false nine almost, yeah, to support the two uh, forwards. So if that is Mount in that case, then that's going to be like his main goal is to be to hit, to feed Harry Kane, to feed Who's you know Foden or Saka. I don't know because a lot of these guys here are also wingers. Like yeah, you know Rashford plays a wing for United, Sterling for Chelsea, Saka, Foden, Grealish. They all play the wings for their respective yeah, it's clubs. Not like they're like a pure they're second striker, striker yeah, right, no, or right. like a center forward, or like just. And I think an actual out note striker. Yeah, I think it was Santo that maybe touched on it. Like once, or maybe it was Phil. I forget actually. It's like once the game gets going, like the formations kind of go out the window. Oh, it's so yeah. You like, just it's just for TV to yeah. show their formation. Like, you line up a three-five-two. Yeah. They have like the opening graphic where all the players are in their spots on the pitch. But then like once the game gets going, like you're gonna see Foden on like, the far left. Like even though he's playing next to Kane, possibly like he's just gone. Mm-hmm. Like. You know, they might play just Kane up up top as like an out and out striker by himself, and there's no one like next to him because you got Sock on the left wing on the right wing. Sorry, Fold on the left wing. Like Grealish can just do his shit and like run around the pitch and get fouls. Like this team can line up very, very, very different ways. And even though again they might go three five two four four two like whatever all the formations you can name off. It's gonna be so different once the game gets going because they are versatile. Like they are a good, they are a good, a good side, which is what mm-hmm. you need. In a but it's just because you can adapt to how you play against other teams, right? So I'm, I'm interested to see how they go against Iran in the first game if they want to go all to attack and like put their foot down and kind of like get the ball rolling really well. Because in this tournament, we know like goal differential does matter when it comes to like deciding ties or draws. So. I mean, they don't want to run up the score sheet, and I guess we don't really see that as often as we used to in, in competition. But if they can get like a 4 nothing win against Iran, I'm sure they'll be very, very happy with that. Mm-hmm. So like, they must put their best attacking foot forward for this game, and then maybe the game against the U.S. on the 25th, maybe more of like a condensed, neutralized kind of game, like maybe play one forward up top and kind of drop some guys back in the midfield, like however they want to adapt against the U.S., We'll see how that happens, and then obviously against Wales, depending on what happens in the first two previous games, they'll play their formation. Yeah, are they rotating know. the squad? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, they, they yeah. can get you know some other guys haven't got a playing chance, some time to stay fresh and stay healthy. So we'll see how that plans out. But it's a good dilemma to have for Southgate if you're him. Like, like you're trying to decide: you do you play Mason Mount or like you know Jude Bellingham, or do you play mm, nice problem, Sterling or Saka? Like you know, it's it's tough problems to make because what's tough decisions to make because obviously like guys playing times at stake and like their careers at stake a little bit but like your end goal is to win like i'm sure mm. if jack Grealish only plays 10 minutes in the whole world cup and he wins i'm sure and that's he what you hope you, you hope they buy into exactly that yeah that team mentality the real yeah. question is though with 
England. Is it coming home? <laughs> I don't. Think I don't so. think so. <laughs> I, don't, I do not think so. <laughs> I think there's, especially with uh, Brazil. Um, for me, who are the favorites? I think, uh, and you have you know teams like Argentina. Um, I would have said Belgium. They have a lot of injury problems right now. So, but I just don't think England's be going to be able to compete with the likes of Argentina or um, France and Brazil. So, I think they're going to find it very tough when they start playing those, those before, big teams. Before we move on to Canada, I legitimately thought after we won the Euro Cup, it's like, oh, it's a it's a late Euros. So the World Cup's only in a year. It's like, oh, we we'll probably have a good chance at the World Cup. That was my thought process in. 2020. Don't talk about Julian now, Joe. <laughs> we got we off that. We got off that. <laughs> we, we literally could do the whole show. Actually, no. how does the same team not get out of that group after winning the Euros? Well, in the same in the same way as England, like that's this is basically it's the, the same, same team. team. So, like, how do we not expect them to do as well as we think they might? Like, what like what is the glaring hole that says that they can't make it to the final? For I think I think we all I think it might be defense. Uh, yeah, for me like, it's that, and I think they're just gonna get outplayed in the midfielder by those really top teams. Um, I think in like the, once like once the knockout stage comes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's for me. I think you know with Euro teams, I think that's where they had um, they were able to compete like that because you know Germany, you know having a really tough time um, um, rebuilding. And France just did not deliver at the Euro Cup. I think now they have Argentina and Brazil in the mix, and you have all these other international countries. Um, I think it's just more competitive, and they're just going to have a harder time against those teams. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah. Um, like I said before, I think we're all in agreement that they will get out of the group. Do we think they're going to win the group? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't say on the website I'm here on I'm on now like which team they would play next in the knockout. I don't I don't know if they do like a reshuffle or if they do like an actual like winner of Group B play second yeah. Group G. Like I don't know if that's already predetermined or not because that'd be kind of interesting to see. Um, I know it's obviously a long time away. It's almost you know four weeks away or three weeks away from that point in time. Um, I think Phil's working the keys right now trying to figure it out. He's got that angry look in his eye. He's trying mm-hmm. to be determined. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Nothing? I think it is, but Phil seems to find it. <laughs> not, yeah, not clear. Yeah, yeah. so right now, it's no clear indication of who it's going to be. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll do okay. Um, but I think they're going to struggle in those, those big games. Um, especially with not having one Euro, uh, if they would have won, then I think they would have all been on like a really high, high boost and some confidence, but, but can they like gain from that and, you know, use adversity as their kind of tool to, to get better? I think winning just, oh, wait. well, I say that, but Come back to Italy. I would hope so. Like, but <laughs> they they scored. They came out like first three minutes. Uh, yeah, on fire. And we were like, "What's going to happen here?" And they just sat back. That was dumb. So maybe they yeah. take that. Like, no, no, we should keep 
we should keep going. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're just going to push a little bit more instead of sit back. Like Verratti and Jorginho and Barella, that game, they just dominated the whole. Yeah. After 20 minutes in, like the game shifts, mm-hmm. right? And it was just. They didn't adapt. Yeah, yeah, yeah and they that's, didn't adapt. So. Will he learn from that? Pro- I would think that's so. A, that's now, a fault, that's like a fault that's, of the manager. That'll be the really. third tournament, right? That's mm. a, this is his third tournament. Uh, I believe so. At least, at least third tournament. World Cup, Euros, World Cup, yeah, yeah. and then Italy will meet England again in the Euro qualifiers for 2024. So stop it. We'll get uh, we'll get more Italy England. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that already determined or no? Yeah, yeah. It's a tough group for Italy. They might not even make the Euros. Jesus. We should be like an automatic bid for winning. Like, <laughs> yeah, just because <laughs> like Champions make League. It out. Um, so yeah, I mean these these groups are stacked. Like some of these are pretty nice to look at. Like mm-hmm. the Spain group. I'm looking here. This, this is pretty nice here in Group G: Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. Cameroon can be a surprise team, obviously. Switzerland very tough. Serbia has kind of had some resurgence of players like Valovic and Mitrovic playing well and. Yeah. Um, you know, they could be a threat going forward and obviously Brazil being Brazil, they have a lot of demons to exercise. I think Brazil not haven't won since 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they've arguably been a favorite every year since then. Like you know, every world cup that comes on Brazil, top two, top three in the, in the odds to win. Uh, I think this year they have, they do have the highest odds, I believe. Yeah. They were the betting favorites at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, again, like what's like. It's a tough, it's tough group. To go, like it's, it's, but it's tough to go against Brazil, though, when you think about it. But then of they course, always they're do always something. there. Yeah, they, something always. Like happens. you think it's like they haven't won since two thousand two. I know they've won their their South American Cups, but it's been a while since mm-hmm. since they've won. But you can easily see them getting through this group. It'll like, be challenging. Is this is this the squad though to push them over the top? They got to. I their attackers are. Yeah, on another level right now. They're the only thing that scares me about this Brazil team are defenders. They're defenders. They're right back and left back. So they, aside from Bremer, who was steady as best defender last year, and he's starting to find his form for Juve. That's an aging defense. Alexandro doesn't do it for me anymore. This isn't five years ago. Danilo actually, and a lot of people make fun of the Danilo, Jao, Cancelo swap. Danilo's <laughs> been Juve's most consistent Tough. defender. Yeah. But is that enough? And then Danny Alves, where has he been? Like he had that spell with Barca last year, wasn't that good. And he's mm. probably going to be starting at right back. Or if you can put Danilo out mm-hmm. right back. I think that's their weakness. But center back wise, I think they're they're set like yeah bremer tiago silva marquinhos those are pretty good it's just out wide i i see an issue yeah yeah i, w- I would agree um i think the the thing with them is that going forward they're just so strong you know if you look at all their attackers they're like all some like the most informed people right now in the world yeah, really so uh you they're... get them on the break and they're gone yeah Exactly. So, if as long as they can play as a team, it doesn't turn into like another Neymar uh, sensation like we're sometimes used to seeing with Brazil. Uh, I think I think they're just gonna take it's every team they play against. Yeah, like, and we talked about their defense being kind of weak this year, but 
if they get three goals scored against them, let's say, they can put up five. And yeah. Allison's always behind them. That's which true, is too. a yeah. nice mm-hmm. safety blanket to have the yeah. way he's been playing this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, from the EPL standpoint, like, Anthony, Gabriel Jesus, Martinelli, like, Richarlison, tons of guys that are in form playing, like, in the Premier League. And, obviously, you know, you add the likes of Neymar in there. And Vinicius Jr. <laughs> yeah, just the, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, just for, like, the next closest competition to Brazil, like, look no other than their their neighbors in South America, Argentina. Like, why can't this be their the year? Why can't this year be their year? Could be the year. You think it could? Seems like they're always missing something. <laughs> but what is that piece? And I was the same before. It's like I feel like Argentina's always missing something, and they also have Messi. So I'm not even sure like what they're missing. I remember I haven't watched a lot of games in Argentina. I think it was just the one me and you watched, and yeah. it was just. It was just like it was actually bad nine. It was like yeah, it was like nine players like just trying to like force the ball down the middle all the time. There was like no. Yeah. It was so strange to watch. I'm like, this is Argentina because I, I think it was probably last World Cup. Yeah. Um, and just watching, it's like, what is this? It's yeah. So strange. Very very weird game. It was like it 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 looked like a half court basketball game. Literally, team was just defending entire team in the 18, and Argentina barely played it outside of the 18 like width wise it was literally give the ball to Messi in the field Messi's trying to shove it down the throat of this team try to go through the middle make all these little passes in the 18 literally no width I don't know what they're doing like put the ball out wide and start putting the ball in the box and stretch the team but they just weren't doing it which I I don't understand why um so if if that's kind of their strategy it's just gonna come back to to eat them because it feels like they just have one method of attack over and over and over again and it's not working they just keep trying to do the same thing which doesn't work and looking at their their roster here that they picked for the world cup kind of similar we didn't really touch on it for brazil but the only one hole maybe with brazil as well is like their midfield court like in the central parts of midfield i mean i'm my like play ignorant play ignorant here i don't really know much about you know argentina's inner workings and all the players for them um but like the midfielders and this core here like i don't know how good a lot of these guys actually are. And to have the attack of Messi, Di Maria, like Lautaro Martinez, Dybala, like those are like huge names. Julian Alvarez too. Like those are big names that are going to perform. But the next question is like, who's giving them the ball? Like who's going to put them in the positions to be in that's going to threat, uh, threaten. Um, so you can probably touch on Martinez and like how he's uh, played. Yeah. He's for Inter. He's, he goes in spurts though. Like, He'll go in scoring slumps, but when he's slumping, like he's always getting shots. And then when he's out of that slump, then he's just burying goals. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably, aside from Lukaku, but he hasn't played this year, he's Inter's most important um, attacker. Uh, Correa also plays for Inter, but he usually comes on in the second half. And I'm honestly surprised that he even made this team. He hasn't really done much yeah. this year. Um, Dybala is a stud. I don't think there's <laughs> much that even needs to be said about him. It's They're actually lucky that he came back from his injury. He mm-hmm. made like a 10-minute cameo this weekend for Rome. Um, Di Maria is back for Juve too. Actually, he scored a sick goal for Argentina today, and they played a friendly. Um, in the midfield, though, DePaul 
he's with uh, Atletico. He's actually very good. Yeah. Um, but I know the way Atletico has been playing this year, though, yeah. like I haven't watched much of him. Um, hoping like his form hasn't dropped off, and then Paredes with Juve hasn't really played because of injury. Right. Um, Enzo Fernandez, I've read, is supposed to be really good. I haven't really watched. <laughs> That's a what lot I mean. Of like, them, it's, but like, it's like, like you just kind of go through Twitter, and you're like, know. okay, these guys look like they're in form, and you're kind of reading what people are saying. But I think the thing with Argentina that even like growing up. I mean, after Walter Samuel left, like kind of like after that 2016, there's defenders haven't been like mm-hmm. world class yeah. defenders. Yeah. Um, Romero's pretty good, but he's, I don't know. I wouldn't say he's top, top level. I'd say he's one of the better center backs in the EPL, but I wouldn't say. They're aging though too. Like, yeah, oh, like, they're aging. Yeah. You got Nicholas Altamani. So if they, can, yeah. if they can find a good groove, I guess, then they'd be fine, but. With those attackers, like same thing with Brazil, it's they're unreal up front. So mm-hmm. can they hold and then just do enough offensively, yeah, where they can score their way out of trouble? Past tournaments, though, they haven't. Um, other than 2014, when they made the final, and then Higuain was a goal away from yeah them winning that World mm-hmm. Cup. But um, I can see them winning. That'd be a pretty cool story, Messi going out on top. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah, and then being in Group C, paired against Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. Uh, I think their toughest side will obviously be the Mexico or Poland ma- uh, match. Two different teams very much so. Like, Mexico, I feel like a lot of them play domestically, like, in Mexico. Um, not many. You don't see many Mexican players playing outside of, like, South America or Central Other America. Other than Lozano at Napoli, but... Yeah, there's not many, though. So... I feel like that core of players might play well together because they know each other probably pretty well. Or their chemistry might be pretty good. Poland, different story. A lot of guys play outside of Poland, obviously. Um, Lewandowski playing his football now in Spain with Barcelona. He's a guy who who obviously would be a big threat to that Argentina defense. Um, but again, it's kind of like you have to get past the first line of defense for Argentina. You have to get past the forwards, get past the wing, uh, midfielders. Gain possession, first of all, too. We know that they're high uh, possession side. Um, like many other top clubs and top countries. So I think them getting out of the group would be pretty comfortable. That second mm-hmm. spot, though, is going to be juicy. Probably though. a guarantee for Argentina yeah. to get out. Yeah, the Mexico. one of the biggest shocks to not make it out. Yeah, the Mexico-Poland like, yeah. battle would be, would be pretty good, though, to like watch. If Ochoa yeah. comes out again, and he's the stud goalkeeper Man, this guy's been is. there forever, so bro. Like, <laughs> he can pull off some miracles Mexico might be making out of, out of the group. Poland also has... Some really good players, so yeah, you, yeah. I'd flip a coin for that for that second spot. Yep, I agree. Um, what should we go to next? Do you want to go Group E? I think that's the most enticing one. Like France, yeah. Australia, Denmark, Tunisia, probably France and Denmark. You would yeah. think so, yeah. Um, no big surprise there. Although it would be pretty cool to see Australia make it out of that group. The Socceroos? Socceroos. Yeah. There's no goose hitting there this time, so they probably won't, but I think that'd be pretty cool to see them out of the group. Uh, group E being Spain, Costa Rica, Germany, and Japan. I mean, there could be some surprise in this group, to be honest. I mean, Germany, we've seen them last World Cup not have the greatest showing. Um, Japan, you never know what's going to really happen there. A lot of players obviously play domestically for them as well. And then Costa Rica, just kind of your hodgepodge of players. I mean, I'm sure... A lot of them do play um, a lot of like international football in in Europe, but 
not the highest of class. You know what I mean? Kilo Navas mm-hmm. obviously being there is like the old head. But they can bring it together though in a tournament. We yeah. saw that. I know it was a long time ago, but yeah. if that group mentality, right? Like mm-hmm. they, they That's what I mean. They, they can surprise. Like, yeah. They're they're yeah. feisty. Like that playing style can sneak up on teams and yeah. like that physical style a lot of teams aren't used to. Yeah. So you frustrate them and it's hard to play against, then you have a chance to surprise a team. Yeah. We saw it, we've seen it with uh, with Colombia with the like Camas Rodriguez in 2014, I believe. Costa like, Rica 2014. Them too as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. The South American sides you can't count them out because they they do play a different brand of football. Like, they do play, like Phil said, like very like physical game. Yeah. Um, so their you... qualifying is one of the hardest mm-hmm. qualification routes. Like it's they they have to play like it's it's a rough style of game, and that's like for most of South America. So. When they do come up against European competition, it it can catch teams by surprise. Mm-hmm. Maybe not by surprise, but like it's just hard to play against. And you actually yeah. realize this is hard to play against. Yeah. It's not as easy to break them down. Yeah, so we'll see how they play. Yeah, I think defense is like mostly what they're going to be based on. I think um, they'll try and like win games 1-0 or get some draws against Spain, Germany, and Japan. But, I mean, one of these teams... Let's just say Costa Rica might be the fourth place team in this group. Japan, Germany, Spain. Like those teams could fight each other. Yeah. Like again, like we would probably look at it on paper and say Spain, Germany would be the top two to get through. But Japan could obviously make some make some noise as well mm-hmm. and put up a fight. Again, all they need in tournament play is a draw. Like an odd draw can just change the script on yeah. well, I'm how pretty the group pays out. Sure. Like Japan's the team that knocked out Germany in the last World Cup. Am I remembering that correctly? Oh, I'm pretty sure the yeah. Germany lost to Japan four two. Four I don't know. two? I think or something like that. Something weird. Two one. I don't know. Three two. Um, yeah, they were the ones. I remember Germany um, got knocked out from Japan. I'm pretty sure it's Japan. Um, okay. But there will be upsets. Um, so I'm hoping one of those upsets come in the. Next group. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Joe. Uh, before, we, before we skip to that, just want to talk on Spain real quick. Any any glaring holes in the Spain side here? Here's my thing. <laughs> with, we were talking about this the other day. <laughs> um, they didn't take Ramos, De Gea, and who else? Iniesta. Well. <laughs> but <Chabby. laughs> we, who are we talking about with this? David Villa. Hmm? Who were we talking about with this, with the experience thing? Uh, I forget. I think it was probably Andrew at the game. Fan or Torres. But we were saying how, like, you need... Because you look at this team, you have Carvajal, Asriel Kualtz's, um experienced. Uh, yeah, they have Busquets. But I just feel like having a guy like Ramos in the dressing room is, like, the kind of guy you need to, like bring that winning mentality um but like the the keepers in particular i'm just surprised De Gea or uh arisa balaga is not there especially with yeah his recent form has been pretty good but i wouldn't put him in the class of maybe these guys um david Rea, where does he play he plays in england um, i think he's a uh, yeah, Brentford. Brentford. Brentford, yeah. yeah nice phil good call um, but yeah, I, I mean, 
the De Gea thing to me is weird because he's obviously been the guy for so long now. Mm-hmm. Uh, like once Casillas hung up the gloves, it was kind of De Gea's team. But like, he's not very good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he makes he makes a lot of mistakes. He makes a lot of errors. And we've seen it firsthand with United. Like a lot of times, he kind of has like Jordan Pick- Jordan Pickford syndrome, where like he's the best you have, so you have to kind of play. Like, him. is he that ball playing keeper? Yeah, no, I don't think he is for whatever you know Spain wants to yeah. do. Um, what's the manager's name again? Um, uh, Luis Enrique. Yeah, Luis. Who's he's going to be on Twitch? Oh yeah, Twitch right. account, and he's <laughs> going to be streaming throughout the tournament, which I th- yeah. think is awesome. And we were talking like. A little behind the give, scenes. Behind the scenes, like the whole Ronaldo thing and like how that all came out and like he's going to give like a coach's view of everything. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I won't really understand it due to the language <laughs> barrier, but uh, I think that's pretty cool. That's like the first time a coach is going to do something like that where they're going on Twitch talking about the games and the teams and mm-hmm. we'll see how much he actually gives out, but I don't know. I think it's pretty cool, but yeah, I think they do have a lot of veterans on that team. Yep. Like Jordi Alba's still good there. Mix. Busquets is still there. Mm-hmm. So I wonder why Ramos didn't make it. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of PSG, so I can't really say has he even been how he's been doing. I, I've I've seen some highlights where he has been there. Um, But maybe they're just ushering in a new crop of center backs. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah. They definitely are a good... Um, they're they're not bad. Their center backs on yeah, paper right there are not bad. Eric Garcia, maybe I don't know. But the side as a whole, like it's a, it is a good mix of like youth and and experience for sure. Mm-hmm. Like especially that the midfield. entire yeah, throughout the entire core of midfield, like Busquets, obviously Rodri kind of is coming on the scene last yeah. couple of years of Man City. Gabi, Lorente, Gabi, like Pedri. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's uh it's a ton of names that you would know. Um, even like their attackers, like. Morata being there, obviously. He's going to start, obviously. We he's going to be there. <laughs> yeah, we know that. And he's going to score some big goals. And yeah. he'll probably get some hate for missing a sitter. But then at the same time, <laughs> like, it's, have... it's kind of the way it goes. Yeah. At the same time, you have, you have Ferran Torres from Man City, who's obviously been in form whenever Haaland's not playing. He seems to be performing and getting goals, too. So Ferran Torres? Yeah. Oh, my God, no. I'm thinking of right now. You're thinking of Alvarez. I'm thinking of Alvarez. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ferran Torres was there. He's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Also, Danny Elmo, I think, is one of the best attackers. But playing in Germany, I don't think he gets the the love the love that he should. I don't know. He was great at the Euros. Yeah, he was. Um, missed a PK in the decisive game for them, but um, I think he's one of the better attackers that they have. Not an out and out striker, but I think he'll play a big role if Spain uh, if Spain makes it far in this tournament. Mm-hmm. And then just to wrap up that group, we'll touch on Germany real quick too with their squad. Another mix of veteran and and young players. Their forwards don't. They don't scare you. You know, there's talent there. Who's the out and out? Who's the guy? Who's the guy? Well, I mean, who's if, Mario Gomez? Who's Miroslav well, Klose? They don't have those guys. Although if, Thomas Müller is the highest scoring player going into this tournament right now. If like the most World Cup goals, most active World Cup goals. If they were to play Kai Havertz, then they'd be. They'd be selling on a false nine as like their formation mm-hmm. because that's Which all I think he can really play. They've done the last little bit though. Most likely, yeah, because yeah. they don't have like a pure striker, yeah. obviously. Um, but other than that, like you look up and down the list of this team, like they are deep. Um, yeah, and that's what I struggled with, especially the last tournament. 
Like, how do you not perform with this team? Like, sure, you don't have a striker, but like, you are so deep in defense and midfield. Like, and you have Thomas Mueller, like you were saying, Phil. Like, how do you just not find a way? I just couldn't put it together, though, in the final third. I don't know. Maybe a little bit of luck plays into it. And then they just start firing, like, on all cylinders this tournament, which they can. Like, they're not short of attacking talent. It's just Mm -hmm. who's going to, who's going to be the guy that, maybe scores three or four, maybe mm-hmm. five goals this tournament. Yeah. And it is fun to see like how each each country does line up their team and they like, picks their team because we see here they have a like, quote forwards only four listed on as as chosen. Whereas England had like six or seven or whatever it was. But then like Gnabry and right. Sane they, are listed wingers, as midfielders. Yeah. But, but yeah. again they're very similar to like how Sterling or Voden yeah. would play or Saka. So they put them as midfielders in this case, but for England, they put them as forwards, so they made more. But whatever the case is, like the likes of Gundogan, Gnabry, Leroy Sané, Kimmich, Müller, Götze, like these are huge names for Götze. Was a surprise though, a little bit, a little bit. I think it's been a while since he's actually been called up. To do to you think it team. has something to do with what his contributions were in twenty fourteen? I don't know. I think <laughs> like we talked about a lot. It's the group, right, and that how like being together for a whole month you want to be together for a whole month Mm -hmm. you got to have that right mix of personality so maybe that had something to do with it he's been there before they he's won in the past something we don't know yeah maybe i mean again shock us this tournament yeah it might be another case where like he doesn't get in a lot of playing time but just to be there around the group right be in the locker room uh be there at halftime to be the voice of reason or to give kind of some sort of motivational speech yeah, for sure. Again, like he's he's still good. Like he's not mm-hmm. bad. Like he's obviously fallen off of what he used None to be. None of these guys are bad. <laughs> no, I don't mean to say bad, but they're not. You know, on their way out, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and then obviously having Menno Neuer as your last line of defense is 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 huge. So this could be his final World Cup. We'll see. You know, Mueller obviously his might be his final World Cup. So these guys definitely want to go out on a really high note. So be be yeah, be look out for Germany maybe. Um, see if they get out of Group E, Group F. It's us. Here we go. It's Canada. Wow, we're here. Um, facing the Belgians in the first game. Yep. As we touched on, no Lukaku, huge mm-hmm. for for us. I mean, they still have a pretty good team. But yeah, it's not as it's not bad. as daunting as what it seemed like. It's when nice the first to not draw have him. Yeah, just being all over the place and playing. Well, if he's back to his form from two years ago, I would say that he was one of the most unstoppable strikers that we, we saw. Hmm? So we stopped him. Italy stopped him. He had quite a few chances. Yeah, he we did. Were, yeah. We were pretty lucky that we they also, didn't that like, they didn't score. But that we also had Donnarumma, like <laughs> Lukaku on. Inter was a handful. Like, no one yeah. could contain him. Now, though, we'll see. Yeah, like, they... You know, it's it's a Belgium team, I think, we're used to seeing uh, with just how, how good they are all over the field. It's just, with Belgium, they never seem to just meet the expectations. Uh, they always seem to just miss that step to be as good as everyone you know, would expect them to be and how good I think they can be. And that's the only thing that could be a saving grace for the other teams in this group. Think of how old their defenders are right now. 
And we got Vertonghen there, Alderwald. You know, these guys have been playing for quite a while. And that's the only thing where I think if we can attack them with pace and just go at them in their defense, I think that's where we can cause some problems. I think that now that the pressure's off, mm -hmm. it might actually be a good thing. Like, they're not going in as favorites or this is the golden generation. It's like, oh, no, this is the last chance for the golden generation. Yeah. So maybe they find it because the pressure's not on them, so to say, yeah. like, to be the champions. Um, I Arthur Tiat, he played um, at Bologna last year, underrated defender. Mm -hmm. He might be a surprise for Belgium if he actually gets some time over Vertonghen and Alderweireld. Um, but they have some talent that it's going to be tough for the Canadians to, to contain in yeah. that first game. Um, I think Belgium ultimately takes the win yeah. in that first game, which is it's, it's, not, a, it's not a bad thing to lose no. to Belgium if you're Canada. It's Obviously, be you'd, like a, you'd like a draw, but um, I, think, I think the no pressure helps. Not that there's no pressure, but I feel like the constant, they're number one, they're number one, they're number one. I think it helps that they're kind of under the radar this tournament. I hate to be that guy because I hate, I hate, hate, hate the FIFA rankings. The worst thing in the world. What has Belgium done to be placed in the top two or three of FIFA rankings for the last like 10 years? They win their friendlies. Okay, great. And that, that is a big thing for, for but FIFA like, rankings. You just it's said not like a they, huge thing. You just said that the pressure is off. I think the pressure is on more than anything because this is the last ditch effort for this golden core to get it done because they have been ranked for so long in the top one or two positions. They have had so much expectation in the last couple of World Cups and European Cups to perform well, to get to a final, for God's sake. They haven't gotten to a semifinal. Yeah. Like, they haven't even been close. They haven't sniffed it, but yet they're ranked and they're talked up for so much. And... You know, De Bruyne is, you know, 30 years old or whatever he is now. Lukaku is around 30 years old. So come next World Cup, maybe they get another another Euro under their belt, sure. But come next World Cup, they're 34. Hazard's going to be like 36. Um, You know, the guys like Vertonghen, Alderweireld, like Santo said, they'll be out of the game. Axel Witzel has been around forever. They're going to be out. So the golden generation of the guys who were like were the ones supposed to get it done will be gone. And I'm, I'll be surprised if I do see Belgium in the top five coming in the next couple of years of the world mm -hmm. rankings. But I feel like they have more pressure on them now f to actually get a championship done than ever before. And I feel like that's Canada's opportunity to be like, let's fucking do something here. And I mean, I, I do agree that with Phil, with what he said, I do think Canada might actually suffer a loss in this game. But I mean, going in, you it's can't... not the worst thing in the world. No, it's not. But like, mm -hmm. you have to be realistic in your expectations as well for Canada. Like, yes, we qualified. That that's yeah, huge. We qualified. Can first. we get a draw to Belgium? That's what I mean. We like, qualified first at a Concacaf. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. To be the top team at a Concacaf is like an accomplishment in itself. But and the whole goal differential thing too, like we were talking about. Yeah. Okay, you suffer a loss. Maybe it's one nothing. Maybe it's two one. That's great. Minus one goal differential. Mm -hmm. You hope it's Keep not it a tight. four nothing. <laughs> yeah. Four one, which yeah. I don't see it happening. You never know. Yep. But I think Canada would be really happy with mm -hmm. a draw in that first game. Yeah. And like this is our first big test on the world stage. So like you have to be like 
again, I can't set your expectations at a minimum. And you can't be able to deal with Concacaf pressure, right? Now it's a little bit, yeah, it's, it's a little different. bit different, yeah. right? Like yeah. Canada did well, like their home games, like those were tough atmospheres, and like where they had issues in the past. Um, was it Honduras? Yes, that was the. Was those it, are like, dark horse all time. Yeah, like Guatemala they 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 passed those tests. So now can they that now that extra pressure? Can they can they cope with it? Mm-hmm. And like I mean, we don't. I don't think anyone's going to go into this World Cup thinking Canada's going to win all three games and be like nine points ahead and or win nine points and be top of the group. That's not going to happen. If it did, wow, like amazing. That'd be incredible. You need everything to go right. Like your right. your keepers got to steal mm-hmm. you games, which happened during qualifying. Like it was the perfect storm, right? Like Davies on that ridiculous counterattack goal. I forget who it was against where the guy could have just tapped it out of bounds yeah. and yeah, nothing yeah. would have happened. Those are things like, can you capitalize on yeah. Belgium's mistakes in that first game and then defend enough where you can eke out a point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of side note here. I just love how Alfonso Davies is listed as a forward here for Canada. Oh yeah. He's Meanwhile, playing. He's playing on the way. He is <laughs> not playing left back. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Byron, he's, he's uh, just a wing back. I just, I just find that funny. I feel like that's the most of all the teams. I feel like that's the, you know, probably one of the, the things where he's just, you know, definitely a different position for mm-hmm. club and country. Oh, he has to be. It's like Zinchenko too. It's like a center mid for Ukraine or something. Oh, that too. Yeah. yeah. Zinchenko. Yeah. yeah. And he's good. There. He is. Good. Plus, I mean, you know, yeah. for, for city and now with Arsenal, yeah, you're playing, you're playing outside back, but for city and Arsenal now Arsenal, the way they're playing, it's just mm-hmm. your outside backs are coming in the middle and still playing with the ball. Uh, I think I think with this Canada side, it's, it's something that even is kind of similar to what the Americans uh, squad is like. This is the first World Cup where majority of the players are playing international soccer. They're not playing domestic. I, I know some of them are um, playing MLS or playing even, I think one or two guys are playing the Canadian League, actually. But same with the U.S. This is the first time that most of the players are playing outside of the MLS. And it's the highest competition that Canada's ever put forward. It's the the strongest squad we've ever had for any competition, basically. And obviously that showed with qualifying first in CONCACAF. So with this side, too, even though this is our first big showing on the world stage, even though there is a lot of hype behind us, I do think we can still surprise some teams. And I still do think that we could maybe get second place in this group. I mean, we'd have to try and get lucky against Croatia. I mean, get a draw That's or game. a sneaky win game. possibly against Croatia, and then we would really have to win against Morocco. Yeah. That would be like a must win for us to obviously try and you know pull anything out of this World Cup in a, in a really positive um, way. But that Croatia side, it's again, it's an aging side. We've seen a lot of these players before. What I don't know what really jumps out and like scares me from this from this team. Besides the. Uh... Luka Modric is dope. Besides, like besides that little guy, Brozovic, uh, no. Brozovic, one of the best midfielders. Perisic, one of the yeah, like I don't know. I mean, Perisic is at, at Tottenham. He hasn't really done much since he's been there. To be no, honest. yeah. See, I'm thinking more back to his last few years in Italy. But, right, but that's not what he is now. No, really. I know, but but no, I, I know tough. what you're saying. They they are they are aging, um, so they can be exploited. I think with that. Uh, really energetic attack. They're aging, but they obviously are still really good. Like, they wouldn't yeah, be in this yeah. spot if they weren't good. They were just in a the, final you know, four years yeah, ago. 18. I think the same thing. Like, who's going to score 
Right. Like, who's going to be that guy mm-hmm. this year? No Manzukic, yeah. Rebic had a falling out with the coach. He hasn't been there in a couple of years. So is Kramerich going to be the guy? Like, who's going to find who's going to find the form? Or is it all just going to come from the midfield? Which is kind of what we saw Euro 2020. Um, but yeah, if Canada could steal a win. I don't know if it's going to happen. It has to be a steal. <laughs> it has like, to be a steal. Yeah. What I'm seeing is like draw Croatia and then fight for a win against Morocco. Even Morocco is not easy. But I feel like over. that's kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know, like go 1-1-1 one, one, and one in the group. That would probably be like our big biggest success. Yeah. Four, like, but four points make yeah. it, and then watch them beat Belgium. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I can see one, one, and one as. But can can that can you emerge second place with four? That's with the thing. Like goal what, differential. the goal differential. What's going to happen? Belgium, Croatia, Belgium, Morocco, Croatia, Morocco. Cro Morocco might be a one to watch for us. Mm-hmm. And Croatia, Belgium is the last fixture of the group. So, I don't know. What's the first game? Um, Croatia Morocco. Okay, so yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be one to watch. Like that's that's when Canada five a.m. or I'll be, I'll be up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be awake for that. Uh, I'm ex- I'm I'm jacked up. I'm excited. I mean, obviously, yeah. if Italy was here, they'd probably be my first you know team to root for. But like our home country is like in the World Cup. That's Pretty freaking cool, and the first time yeah. in our lifetime, right? Yeah, that they're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done a lot to get here, obviously, like the likes of Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, like these guys emerging as you know Canada's like you know biggest brightest stars is has been awesome. And um, Kyle Laren as well, stars too. that are wanted by bigger European sides, yes. yeah. which yeah. I've never seen as a for a Canadian player. We saw yeah. with a little bit with the Americans the last few years, but Jonathan David. Might get sold for a huge sum this summer. Yeah. He had Arsenal like, ties for a little while, yeah, I think. Lil are going to cash in on him. Davies made the huge jump. Um, mm-hmm. Low-key Junior Hoylet still being there is mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, he's playing for like Reading or something. When it I don't ever QPR. remember. It was QPR for a long time. I think it's Reading now. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and we would play with him on FIFA because he had... 99 pace. pace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I I do like this team. It, it's it's a team where obviously like, if you followed Canada and if you like the journey that they've made from, you know, being just so god awful like years and years ago, uh, to especially the last couple of years, it's been it's been a journey. And this team is a it's a team that's really likable. Like they're a very like hardworking team. That's not even though we have you know Alfonso Davies and he's been like our golden boy to like, kind of rally the whole team around and build the team around. This still is a very team-oriented side. Like they, they all fight together and they all play well together. And you don't really like, even though we don't have like the top names in in football, obviously, these guys are solid enough where there's not many gaps. Like, I mean, I don't see us getting exposed. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. As long as like the work ethics there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Imagine having Tamori at the back too. He, he could, could have been there. Canada, Calgary. That would been pretty sick. Uh, and- but- can they Milan build on this though. for 2026? So, like, this will be yeah. a cool first little stepping stone for them. And can they bring that mm-hmm. as a host, mm-hmm. as a host country into the next tournament? 
Well, I feel like a, half these guys will probably be gone by then. Right. Like, Tiba Hutchins is right. like 39 or something. Um, Osorio is like 31, 32. But then you'll get Davies at 26. Like in you'll their have prime. Buchanan at yeah, 24, Jonathan Davies is going to be in his prime. Yeah. You'll have a mm-hmm. lot of these guys who are who are young enough that this is obviously their, their biggest test. This is all these guys' biggest test. But from the really youthful standpoint, it's a perfect time to be in this position because you're getting exposed to what the World Cup is before like you're in your prime. You know what I mean? Like they, they can still show up and, and perform and surprise a lot of teams being the young guns, like being only 21, 22, being inexperienced and just kind of flying by the seat of their pants kind of guys. But then by 2026, when they're 24, 25, 26, 27 years old, they'll most likely, like what Phil said, like be at bigger clubs. They'll be around more world-class you're players. You're playing against games, world-class like, players mm-hmm. more often. I mean, some of them are already, but like, should it not go well, this tournament, I think it's, it's to okay. build upon. Yeah, yeah. Like now, you know, okay, this is what it's like to play <laughs> Belgium and Croatia yep. in a world cup game. That actually means something. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's guy. what's good is that they're playing against like two really big clubs. You're not in a group where it's like, you know, you got some smaller, smaller sides. So you're getting that experience. You're forced key. to bring your game up yeah. for, for these two teams. Whereas I guess if, you get another CONCACAF side or something like that, and you're like, oh, can kind of mm-hmm. take it easy. Well, mm-hmm. no, you can't. Yeah, but it's just a perception thing, right? right? Yeah. Like this guy here, Alistair Johnson, like he's he's been playing every game for Canada, I think. Um, you know, for the last little while, he's been like the starting center back. He's 24 years old. He looks like the most unassuming, most Canadian guy of all time. <laughs> he plays for Montreal FC. Or CF. CF. Sorry, CF Montreal. They changed their logo again. I know. I don't like it. But oh, played, like, he, again, I think another third one time? came out. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, well, he plays for CF Montreal in the MLS. He's about to go up against Kevin De Bruyne. Or it could have been Lukaku. Which, how or, awesome. Or Hazard. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. who is this guy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's going against the likes of MLS players on a day-to-day basis and qualifying against CONCACAF guys from Jamaica or... El Salvador, or wherever. But people said that about some of the Americans too. With Ronaldo and when they play like against they, Portugal, you come together as a group and they do. Yeah, you're fine. But so it's like what an opportunity for him to to be in this position. But at the same time, it's like holy shit, man! Like I'm lining up against you know De Bruyne or Tielmans or Eden Hazard. Like it's crazy. And if they are thinking like that, it's not good. It's probably yeah, not. Like you got sure to go with that I'm mindset. Sure, that, I'm sure they'll be professional I'm sure, about yeah, it. They're not. They're, yeah, they're they'll not be professional. But it's got to be like human a nature. Bit yeah. of an out-of-body yeah, experience. Of like, oh, sure. my God. Like, like, I, look where I'm at right now. Look at this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that. Like, what would you do Like, if you're actually in that spot? Like, you finally made it to where you're at. And it's like, that's Ronaldo, like, six feet away from here right now. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, that's going to be so crazy. Yeah. Scores. Oh, my God. Actually, definitely, well, like, 10 years ago, Ronaldo was in his prime. Well, yeah. one of one of his primes. <laughs> one He's of his many primes. primes. He's twenty seven. This guy's fourteen. Watching him on TV. <laughs> Does Canada make it out of the group? First gut reaction is no. Yeah. I My think. first gut reaction is yes. Oh, Joe. There's gonna be. Here's my whole thinking. Here we go. All the favorites are not gonna win. Yeah. It always happens. Yeah. It always happens, and I think. We may, I feel like we may get underestimated, and there were a lot of good signs in our qualifying, and 
I don't know. I just think it's a possibility. It's is, not is doable. Not totally out for me. Um, the one and the one saving grace I will say is a lot. Like especially because the World Cup is um, like in the middle of this like two part season thing. Um, I feel like a lot of these European teams might struggle with a lot of players coming right from like their mm-hmm. European league. Like what? De Bruyne played yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now he's got to play Canada in what? Six days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we'll see. That's a good point. Yeah. Good point. Joe. What do you think? Uh, mm, my heart says we can make it out. My brain is saying maybe not. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things. Like, again, I think Phil said it. Like, a lot has to go right for us to get the breaks, for us to be successful in this ten, in this tournament. Obviously, I don't know the expectations of what Canada can do or what what it is. Like, is a win in the group stage a, a positive thing for us? Like, obviously, yeah. But, like, is that what we're gunning for? Like just to get a win in the group? Is that our mentality? Like, is that what some no. people would look at around and be like, oh, yeah, we got a win in the group against Morocco? Or do, like, are the expectations that we are going to get out of the group? I think so. I think, you know, I think Herdman has the style where it's like they they believe they can go and perform every game, and that's why they go. It's the same, same thing like the coach of Brentford said that I really liked. He said they've, they've never gone into a game uh, where they didn't believe they could win. And it, uh, if... If there ever is, and they're like, I, don't know, I forget what he said, where they're like not going to play or something, but that's that's their belief. Like being a pro athlete, I've even heard, um, oh, uh, oh, what's it, guys? One of the pundits, like super famous pundit, um, <laughs> uh, Joe Cole, Joe Cole, no, no, not Joe Cole, the guy who's always on Dazzin, um, Michael Owen, Michael Owen, jeez. Yeah. Sorry, Michael Owen, uh, where he said, you know, every game he would go in, uh, he would go with mentality like I'm the best player on this field right now. Like none of these players are better than I am. And that's the mentality you go in because you go, you know, you're playing for your life and you believe you're the best. Now, um, I don't know how many players take that approach, but, you know, I think being a pro athlete, there's some there's something to that of going into games like having a little bit of that kind of healthy ego thinking that you can win yeah there's a fine line between confidence and cockiness mm-hmm. like you kind of have to find that middle ground yeah where it's like i'm not like my shit doesn't stink but i'm also here to win yeah right so that, that's a good point I, I mean i'm not trying to like put canada down saying like we don't have a chance or anything but i'm just trying to be somewhat realistic because we have only played yeah, USA and Mexico really like those are the two competitive countries that we played against in the last X amount of years where it actually means something. Now we're going against Belgium. We're going against Croatia, who again was just in a World Cup final four years ago. Uh, Belgium, again, top two or three ranked country in the world the last 10 years. Morocco, that could be like our, I don't want to say guarantee, but like, that could be like our win scenario. But the other two games are going to be very, very tough. Pen, I mean, even with with injuries with Belgium and with an aging side like the, with Croatia, like we touched on, it's still gonna be very hard to to get positive results from these games. Can we do it? Yes, of course. 
am I leaning like we're going to do it is another thing. That's I'm just trying to be yeah devil's advocate like a little bit. Um, like I think Phil said, like one 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 is like very doable. I think mm-hmm. will that get us to the next round? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, let's see. Um, Group G, we kind of said before: Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. I think Brazil and Switzerland and, and Serbia will fight it out, maybe. Yeah, I think you know Brazil finishing top. Uh, maybe Serbia has a little bit of the upper hand on Switzerland, but Switzerland put in a really good performance uh, in the Euros, so I definitely wouldn't count them out. Um, so they're just gonna have to battle out for a second, I think. Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty good. Yeah, Switzerland. A lot of Italian team. A lot of players playing the uh, Serbia. Yeah, Kostic is on fire. Vlaovic, if he's healthy, Milinkovic-Savic, and the brother Milinkovic-Savic, the goalie. The goalie, yeah. yeah. That's that two, three, four spot mm-hmm. in that group. Even Cameroon too, I, eh? yeah, I, I think so. I don't, yeah. Throw the names in a hat and pick them out for two, three, four. I don't really know the order, yeah, <laughs> of what it's going to be. I mean, I guess Brazil too. Like if. They get caught by a Serbia or a Switzerland. Yeah. So, like, on paper, I guess this one looks like it's Brazil at the top. But, like we said, with every other group, you just you don't, don't know. know. When you do see a side like Brazil put in a group that has two European teams, it's interesting. Because, again, this the playing style is so different. Yeah. Like, you have a lot of guys, obviously, in Serbia and, and Switzerland that played in Europe. And that playing style is so different than what plays in Brazil. And a lot of the players from Brazil obviously play in Spain or or um, in England a little bit, but also a lot of domestic back in Brazil, which the playing style is so different than what, you know, the Serbian and Switzerland culture is as well. So, yeah, it could be it could be a tight one because, like, obviously Serbia and Switzerland are probably more defensive than what Brazilians would. And, I mean, that could really affect the game like that like brazil could like not penetrate serbia or switzerland like potentially who thought obviously. switzerland was going to beat france and exactly they know that's a, a hell of a run game it's a little different but there's there's talent there mm-hmm. where they can create an upset exactly yeah, yeah. and then oh, you something? no good. okay and then group h portugal ghana uruguay republic of korea mm, i don't <laughs> know another one yeah this one i really don't know like at all, yeah. like Portugal. Portugal's good, but they're just another team for me that just like doesn't. I mean, granted, they didn't win Euros <laughs> that one year, which I feel like France that was France's game to lose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're good. It's just, are they going to show up? Is my whole thing, and it's just of all the teams, no disrespect to them, but I just feel they're the most they're the best team that's just still like a team of individuals for me. Um. They don't really have like the cohesiveness we see in like teams of Italy and like Belgium. Like and we forget England. they went through the playoff qualifying to mm-hmm. get through. They almost didn't make it, just yeah. like us. Yeah, just like you know, yeah. yeah. So I don't, know. you know, Ghana. They did what they had to do when they were supposed to, but <laughs> Macedonia, man. Like, yeah, on. but then Italy would have to play Portugal. I know one of those two teams would have made it. Yeah, um, Anyways, tough. But no, then you have you know Ghana, Uruguay, and even Korea. Like good sides. Can't count them out. So I don't know. Group H toss up for me. I th- I think it's a toss up as well. Like Portugal, I know that a lot of people they just they don't they haven't put it together, mm-hmm. and 
we'll see what they do up front. Like, does Ronaldo start? Of course he starts, <laughs> Phil. Get the hell out like, I don't know. They have a lot Unless of... Unless Ten Hag just took over Portugal. They have a lot of good <laughs> attackers. Like, do you start yeah. Leao, who was Serie MVP last year? One of the most explosive wingers. Do you, you play Andre Silva or Jao Felix? Like, I, I can see Ronaldo starting. Yeah. But does he deserve the start? I guess so. He's Ronaldo. Like, let's, he's the captain of the team. Um, but they have a good team of individuals. Can they put it together? I think of all the teams that we talked about, this midfield core is actually pretty nice, I think. Oh, yeah. Having Bruno Fernandes and Bernardo Silva together, plus Ruben Neves from from Wolves, like that's a pretty solid core to have. I'm sure all through, through these guys Mario will play. from Benfica, he's on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even look at the defense. You got, you got Ruben Diaz and you have Cancelo there. Just who's a know. wild card. Pepe's still there too, thirty-eight years old, I think. Thirty-seven <laughs> years old. Yeah. Going strong. Um, you have Dallow there. Like they they're really good side. Like if they could just come together and play as a team, they're really good. It's just they have to do that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we we said before that like, they are European champions from the past, so they can get it done. Just can they get it done, right? Mm-hmm. Um Ghana, I'm not too familiar with a lot of these players here. I mean, the IU brothers the are still yeah. here, which is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I feel like they've been around forever. But, I mean, we've seen them before in the past. Like 2006, they put on a hell of a show. That was awesome. In, 2010. Uh, and 2010, yep. The uh, the rematch with Uruguay after the the, handball. the quarterfinal. Mm. They finally get to uh, it's a piece try of shit and avenge that. <laughs> Yeah, but it's probably one of the greatest plays in World Cup history. It is. Like, I saw someone on Twitter say this is the biggest robbery ever. I'm like, he got the red card. Yeah, he paid the price. And he came came back, though, too. Like, he was able to come back for the next game. Not next game, but like, when they, like, whenever his suspension was done, he came back. So they would have had to make the final, though. They ended up losing. No, I think he played. I think he could play in the semis or something. No, he's suspended for that. He got a red card. (laughs) What are you thinking here? But I don't think it was the biggest robbery. I think it was just the best tactical foul yeah, in the tact- history. Yeah. Not a big fan of that guy, though. The bite. Not a big fan. He's hungry. Is, uh, he, is honestly, he hungry for goals this year for this World Cup? Is he going to bite into this <laughs> World Cup and, you know? Honestly, for me, Luis Suarez is actually the person that's done the most controversial things that I actually like. He's so I just, good. I just like him as a player. Pure I just, goal scorer. I, and amazing. he works hard, which is great. Because usually for me, when you have players that are doing like a bunch of really questionable things, I feel like the work ethic for some reason like is paired with that. But he just works so hard and he's really good. It's just if he just didn't do all the other things that just make no sense, like bite people and all this stuff. Like, <laughs> like he'd, be, he'd be one of my favorite players, but he just yeah. does all this controversial stuff. I don't know why. But other than that, which is a big hurdle to get over, I think he's phenomenal. It's happened on multiple occasions. Yeah. Yeah, he's a multiple time biter. Yeah. But no, he's good, man. His Liverpool days were yeah. like, historic. Like, those were so crazy. Were yeah. Obviously that too, too. But it was just something like the run that he had in Liverpool. I think he's almost a goal a game player or close to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Uruguay gets three out of this group, though. I think, I think they do. I think based on talent alone, yeah. They yeah. have a lot of the better pieces. Um, I think Korea might. I mean, they obviously are, are going to run the coattails yeah. of Son, like, and how he has performed in the last yeah. 
Um, a couple of seasons with with Tottenham, obviously. He's yep. obviously their their breadwinner they, player. They do have one of the best informed defenders, um, Kim Minjay for Napoli. He's he was just like in just a signing, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, okay, good center back depth." This guy is like a wall back there. Yeah, and he showed in the Champions League. He showed it in Serie A so far. So they could surprise. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, no, they they've can, done yeah. it before. In their home country. Yeah. And it's similar. A little bit of help. Stop it. A little bit it, of help. We it. could do a whole review on that uh, World Cup. <laughs> it's uh, similar as to well. what similar to what I said before about <laughs> yeah. South American sides, like this Korean side too here. Like a lot of guys play domestically, obviously, too. So they're gonna have a you know cohesive team. And I mean again, it all just based on what you do showing up that day. Like we've I mean, we said before on the podcast, when Chelsea won the Champions League, they were not the best team to win in Europe. They just caught fire at the right time. They were really tight defensively, and they ended up winning a game one nil in the final. That's all they had to do. So Euros, any like, any team that can group yeah. of it like the, who thought that they were going to come together and play like a club team for yeah seven games. Any any yeah. team you know, can just like, adopt uh, just... a chemistry or a playing style, and all you have to do is get what three three games in the groups, and then four knockout games. Seven games total? Round of 16, quarter, semis. Yeah, so seven games. You got to win seven games. You have seven games. You don't have to win them all, to be honest. You win a couple of them at the beginning. But after that, you got to win four straight, obviously. But if you just catch fire at the right time, like I said, get good odds, get good pairings in the next rounds, the knockouts. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's going to all pan out um, in a few weeks' time. But it could literally be anyone's tournament to be honest like it's the world cup it's not the european cup the european cup is very hard to win obviously because it's, it's all domestic and all european teams it's one of the harder yeah i, think, I feel like win. euro might be a little bit harder world cup it could be anybody it could be mm-hmm. it could be qatar who knows it could be ecuador they could make <laughs> the quarterfinals qatar possible with a little help from their friends um yeah uh, i think we'll do some other podcast episodes yep. during the world cup like i said um do you want to do predictions? I was just going to say one last thing. Surprise of the tournament. Surprise for me, I think. What consists I'm, of surprise? Player or team that surprises you. Maybe like a lesser known or maybe an upset could be a surprise. Or someone, I guess a breakout would be in its own category, but. Like a player breakout would be in its own category, but let's say a team like so a lesser known that might go further than you expected. I mean, it's not lesser known, but first thing that hops out to me is Uruguay. I think making it farther than I think what people are going to expect in this World Cup. Maybe making like semi semi final appearance, getting that far. Don't think they make the final, but maybe last four. I think. I don't know. To be honestly, I think France is going to do worse than a lot of people expect, just because yeah. their mass, like their injury list, is huge. Um, and you look at their team, and you look at their midfield core. It's like, oh, like, they don't have a lot of. <laughs> they can't. They <laughs> don't. No Conte, no Pogba. There's a lot of people not going. So, um, that's the that's just the nature of injuries. Yeah, I don't know. So. Just banking on Canada, hopefully. <laughs> That's your dark horse. Yeah. Um. Kind of like what Santos said. Not like 
a surprise team where it's out of the blue or country. Uh, it's out of the blue, but just because it's been a little while since they've been there, I think maybe Spain might have a pretty good tournament. Yeah. Like we kind of said before, they they just have depth and their young players that are in form are like really good right now. And coming off of what they did in the Euros and how far they got, what they got to semifinal there, I believe. Um, I think they can kind of ride that and say like we're back maybe on the main stage because they were so dominant from the 2010s up until Germany kind of had their little resurgence. I think they won in 08 and 2010, I believe. And 12. Uh, and 12, yeah. They, so they were just back, tearing back, shit back. up. Um, so I think maybe with an aging core that's going to make their last hurrah and they're going to like fight really hard, plus the new young guys coming in, I think they have a good balance, and I think they might perform pretty good. Um, I'm not sure what their odds are right now, actually. Maybe good to look at. but I think they're 9-1. to one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, maybe Spain for me might be a team that could surprise some people. I'm going to go with Denmark. That's a good one, too. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then maybe the Netherlands, which we haven't talked about, and I don't think a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, them being there in Group A, it's... I just don't know the how, favorite. like, just the groupings after, mm-hmm. like the bracket. Where they get matched yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah, but they're, I, they're, they're Denmark the for Group A for sure. And the Netherlands and the USA. Ooh, three surprises! Yeah, every 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 third place team in the group is a surprise. Yeah, we're gonna go with Mexico next. Hell's no. bound to get at least one right. At least one of those has to be right. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, no, we didn't really say anything on Netherlands. Group A: Qatar, Ecuador, uh, Senegal, Netherlands. Being I think the just European because there's no side. clear favorite. I guess the Netherlands would yeah, be the I clear favorite, the clear but um, I don't see Qatar getting out of the group. I haven't watched a lot of Qatar, but. Yeah. You do with hosts, I guess. Anything well, can boost. happen mm-hmm. with uh, with the hosts. So, um, Netherlands, Senegal, probably making it through. Yeah, but can't count out the South American teams. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, they fight hard. They always do. Um, okay, yeah. So I think we're good for our big World Cup preview. Like I said before, I'm not sure how often we'll do it. Maybe just once a week. We'll do um, a bit of a recap and just see if any big news is happening, any upsets. We'll see if Qatar goes through. Um, see if Phil's USA goes through and see what they can do in their first game. But like I said, November the 21st, England, Iran, and November the 23rd, Canada versus Belgium are the first times you will see these two clubs play. Countries play. I keep saying clubs. Um... But yeah, no, we'll definitely check in throughout the World Cup. And, uh, yeah. We won't talk about Italy as much. We won't talk about Italy. Or maybe we yeah. will, because we can just relate it back. The references yeah. are too easy. Yeah. It's too but easy. But they're also painful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So I think if that's it, we will you know, chat next week. Yeah. I think we're good. Chat then. Ciao.